Let's pray together. Father, we pray that right now that you would take our worship, you would accept it as an offering to us this morning, or offering to you from us. Pray that you'd take the word now, speak to our hearts. We'll pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we had a great Saturday yesterday on the Oviedo Gathering, the first one. And um, I tell you what, the, the leader of the whole thing, Rick Lee, Looked pretty exhausted at the end of it, so I hope this is going. There's going to be a second one. I'm sure there will be. But we had a great time. How many of you were there yesterday? Anybody here? All right, great time. We got a little picture here that um, somebody took uh, from the stage area. Looking back, I don't know how many people were there. Probably five, six, maybe seven hundred. I think they uh, had seats for about 500, and there were a lot of people standing up uh, in the back. Uh, and so it was a great day. And uh, you know, it was a great time of getting together, getting to know uh, new people. And, uh, you know, come to think of it, we do have another opportunity this afternoon called Dinner with the Pastor. And if you are visiting with us and have not signed up for that, it gives you a chance to, for uh, me to get, have a chance to meet you and also some of our other staff as well, uh, right out here in the, uh, in the atrium, excuse me. <coughs> and um, you can just sign up on the, uh, the little card right here, the little welcome card. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning. We've been in a series of messages on the psalm. And uh, Psalm 67 asks the question, why does God bless us? Why does God bless us? What, what's, what good is it? I mean, what is that for? There's a little book that came out years ago. Some of you maybe have read it called The Prayer of Jabez. And it was based upon... Uh, two verses in the Bible. And it reads like this, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother's named him, mother, mothers. <laughs> I get it right in a minute. My, <clears throat> I would say my wife got the best set of teeth this morning, but she said, please don't ever use that joke again. So, <clears throat> because I bore him with pain. Now Jabez <clears throat> called on the Lord God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and you would keep me from harm that it might not cause me pain. And God granted him what he requested. Now, just two verses in the Bible. This is the only thing we really know about Jabez in the entire Bible. But yet nine million copies of that book was sold. Why? Well, because everybody wants to be blessed, right? God never rebuked Jabez for praying this prayer. In fact, it looked like to me he, he honored that prayer. But what about this prayer? This prayer was so popular and the book was so popular for so many, so many years because everyone wants to be blessed. Everybody wants to be successful. Now, my question is, though, is that enough? I've heard it said that success is adding value to myself, success, success that leads to significance adds value to others. And so why does God really bless us? What is the reason for it? We read about it here in Psalm 67. Now as the psalmist, we don't know who the psalmist was, but we know that he had a burden for the world. And as we're reading this, he takes it from Numbers chapter 6 with the, the benediction, and now he puts really some, some stuff to it as he prays a prayer and he says, now, if you bless me, this is what it's going to result in. And so it tells us why God wants to bless your life and mine. And so let's read it together. We want to take really four things this morning, the prayer for the blessing. It's only one verse. 
and then the purpose of it, the power of it, and finally the path to it. And uh, hopefully we're going to enlighten all of ourselves a little bit here this morning. The prayer for blessing. Again, it's only one verse that he prays. The rest of it really supplements and complements that one verse. What does he pray for? He says, first of all, God be gracious to us. He prays for grace. And grace, of course, is God's unmerited favor. It's God's generosity to us. We think about grace. We think about salvation. And certainly that's really the context of what he's praying here. But really grace is anything that God gives us. Everything. In fact, James 1, 17 says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. He's saying everything that we have comes from God. Everything. And so he prays for that. God, you own the cattle of a thousand hills. God, you own everything in the world. Be gracious, be generous to me and to us as a nation. Then he says, uh, he says, be gracious to us and bless us, much like what Jabez was praying. He said, Lord, bless me indeed. And this has to do with God's supernatural, divine favor in your life. And he says, I want the supernatural blessing of God in my life. And then he finally prays, he says, and cause his face to shine upon us. What have we said all through the Psalms? We're talking about this series of messages called Face to Face with God. We've said that the presence of God is really a face-to-face type of encounter with God, not just knowing about him, but knowing him deeply and personally where you can um, uh, receive his blessing and feel his blessing in your life. Jabez prayed this. He says, may your hand be upon me. And so here we find the, the, the prayer. He says, Lord, be gracious to me so I can receive your generosity. I can receive your gifts. God bless me indeed so everybody will see that you're blessing me. And finally, God, I want to know your presence so I can feel the blessing. Now, why is he praying this and what is going to be the result? Point number two in your outline, the purpose of the blessing we find in verse two. It says that. And so there's an, there's an object to it all here. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a resultant of it. He says, I want to be blessed. I, I want to be, have your grace, your presence in my life for a reason. That your way may be known on the earth. Your way, the ways of God in context, we find out what it refers to. Your salvation among all the nations. Now, when we think about nations, we can think about it in two ways here. And really, it applies to both. But it can pl- apply to nations in general, like the population of a nation or it can refer to the people of nations all around the world. And that's really what it refers to here. He's saying that your salvation would reach the different peoples of the earth. Notice it says that your way may be known. This is more than just merely knowing by knowledge, knowing the facts. It means I'm experiencing something here. So what we find here is something very scriptural. And it's really scriptural all throughout the Bible that God blesses for us to use that blessing. A great illustration of this is the manna that fell from heaven in the Old Testament. Remember when the um, Israelites were walking through, 
the wilderness and they were trying to get into the promised land. They had no food. God had manna or bread, this heavenly bread, just show up on the earth, just fell from heaven. Now he told them, he says, now look, I want you to get, here's the rule. I want you to get just enough for the day. If you get more than what you need, it's going to rot right there in your tent. It's going to stink up the place. You don't want to do that. And so they just really simply receive what they need. Why does God bless us? Well, you know, God, somebody says, well, God blesses me so I can be comfortable. God blesses me so I can, I, I don't know, uh, enjoy life a little bit more, kind of lay back a little bit, maybe retire early. And you think about all these things and how God would bless your life. But the Bible teaches us that God blesses our life not to store up the blessing, but God blesses our life to do something with it. Now, in a New York child, uh, the New York um, University Child Study Center did a study a few years ago, and it came out in May of 2007, and it surveyed a, a number of years parents that made between $75,000 and $160,000 a year all across the country. Now, keep in mind, uh, it was published in 2007, and so this probably, the study started probably around 1990, because they had to wait for all the children that they surveyed to, to get old enough to have some data. And so in 2007, they published um, a study that uh, studied the children of professional parents, parents who made between $75,000 and $160,000 a year. And they discovered there was in lower achievement, more problems, increased suicide rates. And here's what they found. They discovered that it was not good to have, for children to have complete financial freedom. It was not good for them to have excessive freedom to explore, and it was not good to have a wide range of recreational activities because they resulted in laziness, low self-confidence, and insecurity. The result was, the, the conclusion, I should say, of the study, if children are not taught to serve, they will never see how to live outside of themselves. And so the Bible says this, look, he says, verse 1, by his grace, I'm saved. His blessing, I can be other, you know, other people are going to see, therefore, uh, the blessing of God in my life, and I'm going to know the presence of God in my life, so I can be something to the world. I can make a difference. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to make a difference. I, and I do. I, I want to make a difference. And so in this context, what is he talking about? He's saying to us that the salvation will be known among all the nations. He's talking here about the fact that when these things happen in your life, grace, blessing, presence of God, when you know that you're saved, when other people see that there's something different in your life, and when you feel the presence of God in your life, it's going to result and the fact that you are going to want to share that with other people, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, one of the, one of the things that one of the jobs of Israel, the Jews, was to be a blessing to others. In fact, way back in Genesis 12, when God first called Abraham, here's what he said. Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you a, a, your name great so that you shall be a blessing. 
There was a result of it all throughout the Scripture, Jesus said. So, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He says, go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. Why? Because in the heart of God lies a missionary God. Missions and evangelism is rooted in the very nature of God. But God has set it up that if people do not go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not going to get done. In Romans it says this, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then will they call upon him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher or a witness? <clears throat> How will they teach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. I just had to do that. That was not planned. I will not do that in the second service. Um, how, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, maybe the left foot. Um, here's what the Bible is teaching. Now, I know I can, you know, lay a guilt trip on you. You know, and the fact that, but, but here, listen to me very carefully. We can talk about the people that already live in Oviedo. We can talk about this or talk about, did you know that 7,500 people moved into our ministry area last year? Another 7,500 are probably going to be moving in this area this year. Who is going to tell them the good news? If we don't tell them the good news then who else is going to do it? I know there's a lot of churches around, and I'm not saying that they won't do it too. Maybe some of them will. But if we don't do it, the point is, if you and I do not share the gospel, it won't get done. And there is eternal consequences involved. I've been preaching through the book of Revelation, just finished it up. And one of the uh, stories I tell in there, just in case you um, did not make it to that, that evening, Adrian Rogers, who was to me the prince of preachers when um, in, uh, the generation ahead of me, uh, used to pastor Bellevue Baptist Church before his death. Um, and, but he was also at uh, Merritt Island First Baptist Church for many years before that. And while he was there, he had a call to go to the hospital. And he went to the hospital and um, he went and visited in the patient's room, came out, and there was a young lady there. And he recognized her as being the daughter of the man who was in the room. And she was crying, and pro profusely, in fact. And she said, I got here too late. I got here too late. And he says, what do you mean? She says, I knew my dad has been lost for all these years. I've never shared Jesus with him. And because of me, he's in hell. And he said this to her. He said, well, he said, it wasn't too late for me. I did get here on time. I did share the gospel with him, and he received Christ into his heart. But he said this. He said, but if it had been up to you, he would have gone to hell. And you say, man, that, that just puts a, a big guilt trip on me. Listen, I'm, I'm not trying to put a, the reason I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you, you will never be a consistent witness through guilt. There's a missing ingredient in our life sometimes, but it's, it's not that. But I am sharing that story with you to tell you the importance that you play, the role that you and I play in this world. You are important.
You are important. You are the preacher. You are the witness. You are the one to share the good news of Jesus Christ that has already happened to you. And, and then the Bible tells us right here in verse 3 what's going to happen. Let's look at the power of this blessing. He says, let the people praise you, O God, and let the people praise you. He said, first of all, the people, once they receive Jesus Christ into their heart, they, they change worship. That's what salvation really is all about. It is about going your own way at first, and you're going your own way, being the boss of your own life, really worshiping either yourself or something else is on the throne that you've placed there. And you're, you're throwing all that out. You're repenting of all that. And now you're following Christ. And therefore, you begin to worship him. When you win somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ, you win a worshiper. Then, notice it says, people are forgiven. Verse 4, people are forgiven of their sins. And nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the people with uprightness. He says, you're going to judge rightly. How did he, how was he going to judge rightly? Again, we can look at the book of Revelation and see the great white throne judgment and what's going to happen at the end. But what he's talking about here is simply the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And God judged our sins right there on the cross. And he did it rightly. He did it rightly because a perfect person had to go to the cross and die a, a lamb that you might say, symbolically, is that, that it was spotless. Our Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross, and the Bible says, through him we are justified by faith. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never received Christ into your heart, you can be forgiven today of everything that you've ever done. Then notice also that people will be guided by God. In verse 4, it says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the people with an uprightness and guide the nations, the people of the nations, on the earth. Listen, the greatest gift I know is forgiveness. Because everybody messes up. There's not a person here who hasn't messed up at some time in their life. I mean, our regrets just pile up like, like dust in the attic. Therefore... Wouldn't it not be better if we had the wisdom and the guidance not to make those mistakes in the first place? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if, no offense to the policemen here, but if we needed less policemen all across the nation because we were just living better. He says, look, I'm going to... Once a person receives Christ into their life, not only are they forgiven of every sin they've ever committed, but I'm going to start guiding their life. I'm going to start giving them wisdom. Listen to what James 1.5 says. But any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all, all men generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. The very moment that you and I receive Christ into our heart, we receive the Holy Spirit of God, and he begins to guide our life. Look, look how we're benefiting people. Man, they're forgiven of all their sin. They've got a, they're worshiping God and giving him glory, and they're being guided in their life. And then finally, the people of all the nations will be blessed. Look at verse 6. Five, verse 5 is verse 3 all over again because it, it's parallel verses here in, in a psalm. Because the, really the psalm here is a poem or a song. In verse 6. The earth has yielded its produce. He's talking about agricultural. He says, man, this is just great, isn't it? I'm, I'm getting blessed. I mean, something real tangible here. 
God has, God, our God blesses us. God blesses us and all the ends of the earth may fear him. He says all the nations. We spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only here at home, but everywhere. And all of them enjoy new worship. All of them enjoy forgiveness of sin. All, everyone can enjoy the guidance of God in their life. You are important. You can bring that. You and I have the answer of bringing that to the rest of the world. We do. Do you? Thank you for that. Amen, Keith. Anybody else? You, you're important. You're vital to God's plan. But you and I both know that the guilt part, the hell part, is to wake us up, get our attention. But there's something missing. What is the path? Why don't we share Jesus Christ? Why are we hesitant. The answer is found in verse 1, if you can turn back there once again, where it says, God be gracious, bless us, have your face to shine upon us. What's he talking about here? He says, Lord, what I need is joy in my life. Now, notice what it says here. He says, face to shine on me. Verses 3 and 5, we've already gone over them and read them, but it talks about praising God. Verse 4, hey, uh, glad, and I didn't read that, I read that part, didn't comment on it, but verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. There is a joy here, and then in verse 6, man, yielding up his produce, there's something tangible even about this whole thing. There's joy in my life. Now, we've said before that joy is not happiness. Joy is more of a gladness, really, in spite, gladness of heart in spite of the circumstances because of the grace, blessing, and presence of God in our life that we've already looked at. Psalm 1611 says, you will make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy, and in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Why do I have a hard time, you and I have a hard time witnessing when we don't have joy in our life? Well, very simple is that, first of all, we feel that we're not genuine. How can you witness to someone else and share Christ about the hope and the joy and the love of God when you're so burdened down with just the affairs of life? I mean, you go to someone and, man, you just feel like, well, I mean, I know what I need to say, so I'm going to just go ahead and say it, but I don't feel it. And you know they don't see it either. Matter of fact, they probably think you're just trying to convince them of something. But there, there's no light in your, in your eye. There's no joy in your heart because there's so many things in life that are stealing your joy. And so it's, it's difficult now, when you have joy about something, what happens? You want to share it, right? Man, you got, you know, uh, Facebook, you have all kinds of stuff. Man, if you want to know what a, a cute baby looks like, just go on Tim Johnson's Facebook. He's proud of his little girl. You have something on Facebook. Hey, I wanted to share, you, share a little picture with you just a few moments ago, and I shared it with joy about those six, 700 people that were there yesterday afternoon. You want to share it with somebody. As a matter of fact, when somebody comes along and says, look, you know, I don't care how you feel about the Christian life, you know, just, just keep it to yourself. Did you know that people are asking you to be emotionally challenged at that point? 
How can you do that? Now, you're asking me, something has changed my life. I've got a new worshiper, I, someone to worship. I, I've got forgiveness in my heart. I've got gladness in my heart. I've got joy in my heart. And you're expecting me not to share that with someone? That's emotional. That's, not, that's being emotionally unstable at best. No. But boy, when you don't have it, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, some of you ladies, you know, maybe there's, um, you're talking and, Somebody says, wow, I hear there's a big sale going on down the mall. And you just say, well, um, actually, um, I think you can find some <clears throat> worthy bargains at a few of those stores. Why don't we all go together? There's something insincere about that. You know, it just, it just is. Are some of you guys playing golf? And you don't even like golf. You used to like golf, but you're not fired up about golf. Somebody says, hey, I hear that new course down there is really nice. Yes, I, I played it uh, once or twice. Uh, the greens are fine. Uh, they're really smooth. Um, people are friendly. Doesn't cost too much. Y'all want to go? In fact, we'll just have lunch afterwards. In fact, why don't we skip the golf and just go to lunch? There's something not really, it's coming across as though, wow, you're, you're just not feeling it, and you're not. You're not feeling, so you feel a little hypocritical, and the person you're talking to, they just really don't see it either. One of the, uh, <clears throat> I remember back, uh, uh, probably 10 years ago, one of our teenagers was sharing with me, and uh, well, I don't know how to tell this, it was one of my sons, Okay, one lives over in England is probably about 15 years ago. But he looked at me and he said, Dad, what would it be like if just everybody in the church just got so filled with joy and you just went out and just sharing the gospel of Christ with everybody? They'd have to listen. I thought about that. And I said, yeah, they would. They would feel compelled to listen. Now, there's been many times when I've shared, you know, the Bible says preach the word of God in season, out of season. Out of season is when you're feeling no joy, right? And I've, I've, I've shared the gospel of Christ many times out of season. Man, you go on Monday night visitation or whatever. You used to go on Monday night, I think. And, and man, after, after preaching three times on Sunday morning, one time on Sunday night, uh, I, I wouldn't feel a lot of joy on Monday night. But I can remember a time that I experienced uh, not too many years ago. I was praying in my study and kind of by myself a little bit. And I, read, I just noticed this book on the shelf about evangelism. I've never read it before. So I pulled it down. I began to read it. And it sort of gave a, a fresh way of, of presenting the gospel. And I got really excited about it. It was on a Monday. And, uh, man, I, I, was just, I, I was just praying. I said, God, boy, this is just great. I was excited about it. it was, the joy of Sunday had re, kind of returned to me. Went out that night, and I, I was not, you know, I was expecting to come across this uh, couple in their home, and, and they had three other adults in their home that night. And so I'm faced with five adults, and I'm just glad that this particular plan of salvation, I just learned of this way of presenting it, didn't have to have a track or a gizmo or anything. I could just talk to them, just a conversation. And I'm, I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord was so real in my life. They were captivated by the message of Christ. 
And at the end of the time, each one of them prayed to receive Christ into their life. I'm talking about adults between the age of about 27 to 55. They got baptized in our church, and they became serious followers of Christ, all five of them. Why? Because someone came to them with what? The grace of God in their life, the blessing that was upon them, and had met in the very presence of God. Joy in their heart. And you say, well, Pastor, I I can't grasp that. I mean, I want to feel that. I mean, my goodness, even David in Psalm 51 was what? Praying, Lord, return to me the joy of my salvation, that sinners would be converted unto thee. I'd love to have that. Just don't have, you don't know the burdens I'm under. You just don't know what I'm going through. I remember reading a story in Luke chapter 10. Some of you may remember it as well. But Jesus sent out the 12 and... uh, I think there's about 70 of them. I'm trying to remember the story here at the top of my head. But he sent these the disciples out, and they came back, and they were, they were on cloud nine. Sort of like going to a great meeting, you know, like we had yesterday or something. A great meeting. What happened? He says, Lord, you just wouldn't believe it. But, wow, we cast out demons. We heal the sick. I mean, people, I mean, people were getting healed all over the place. People were just lining up waiting to see us. And they were all talking about it. And they were so excited about it. And Jesus said this. He said, guys, you've got to begin with the end in mind. Don't rejoice that the demons obey you, but you rejoice that your names are written down in heaven. Wow. So what does that mean? He could have said the same thing as he was hanging on the cross. Don't weep for me now. John, take care of my mom, but don't cry for me now. Rejoice that your names are written down in heaven. Jesus was saying, no matter what success comes in your life, no matter what temporary failure may come in your life, you begin with the end in mind. You rejoice not because these little things are happening to you, but you rejoice that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins. He rose again on the third day. He drew you with his Holy Spirit. You asked Christ into your heart. Your name was written down in the Lamb's book of life in heaven, and forever and forever you know that you have eternal life. That's how... That's how we get through the trials. You begin with the end in mind. I know the end of the book. I know the end of the movie. And boy, there's something about it. You go to a movie, you know, some of you, maybe uh, you you don't go to that many movies, but you know when you go to a movie, you've seen a movie before, and maybe you bring a friend along with you, you want to share it, right? You just want to share. In fact, there's something, I don't know about you, but I haven't been to a movie by myself since I was in college. I used to uh, know a guy that <clears throat> ran a theater, and so he just let me come in anytime I wanted to and watch a movie, and sometimes I'd help him out on big days just for free, and we were just buddies, friends, and so I'd go in and watch a movie by myself, and I, I can remember during a funny part turning to someone, <laughs> and there's nobody there. There's something about that joy in your heart, wanting to share what you have experienced in life but when you know, you've seen it, you say, well, I don't know if that movie's any good or not. The critics said it's pretty good. I don't know. Maybe it is. But you've seen it. 
you've gone to the movie already, and you know it's great. And so you maybe take your husband along, and you just can't wait for him to see this marvelous love story, you know, or something. No, you can't wait for him to see this movie and share the joy with you. And now we've seen the end of the movie. We've already been there. And our names are written down in heaven. And that's where the joy comes from. That's how we get through not trying to depend on our happiness, but resting upon the joy of the Lord that's in our heart. What about you today? Man, there's, there's so many people out here that need Jesus. There's so many people. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm all fired up about the 15,000 people that moved in here the last year or this year. They need Jesus in their heart. How are we going to do that? We're going to rest in the fact that our names are already written down in heaven because we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Now, let me challenge you to do something. I know that I could, I could tell you this morning that... <coughs> You need to pray that God, you say, oh yeah, God, I need to be a witness again. I just need to, no, here's what I want you to pray this morning. God, return unto me the joy of your salvation. Then sinners will be converted unto you because they're going to see something in my heart that is so compelling that it just breaks through all the barriers. Let's pray together. As our hearts are quiet before the Lord, what about you today? Would you say to God, Lord, I just pray that you give me joy in my heart. Return to me the joy that I felt when I received Jesus into my heart. Return to me the joy of your salvation. We're just going to open up the altar this morning, and we're going to ask you to come. And that's just going to be your prayer right there. Lord, return to me the joy of my salvation. Is that what you want? You say, well, I've got the joy in my heart. How, oh yeah, how many people you, have you led to Jesus this week? How many people have you really felt compelled to witness to? Because if you had that kind of joy, the one, what the Bible's talking about, you, you'd be open to telling anyone. And then people would listen because of, wow, there's something different going on in this person's life. Living above the circumstances because you've seen the end of the movie and you know that your name is written down in heaven. Return to me the joy of my salvation. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.